Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. <coughs> mm, sorry. I'm trying to clear my throat there and I almost died. Been coughing a lot this weekend. I don't know. Anyway, how's everyone doing? I got a little bit of like heartwarming news. I read something on January 8th. It was posted in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. A friend of mine on Facebook posted it and through that, you know, I was reading it. And it was like really, really heartwarming. Actor, actor Joe Mangalino. He stars in like True Blood as the werewolf and stuff like that. I can't pronounce his name. Eh. Anyway, he brings his love of Dungeons & Dragons to kids at Pittsburgh Hospital. And there's a video attached with it that you can watch on the website. And it's a, you know, it's a short little read, but it's really cool how this actor, who turns out he has a huge, huge love for D&D, he brings it to this children's hospital and he does like a quick little one-off session with three of these kids, kind of like teach them the game and let them have some fun. And then he leaves all the stuff there. Like he brought in... A bunch of the start, like D and D fifth edition starter sets, books and stuff like that, and just donated it to the hospital. And he's like, "Hey, if the kids loved it, then they can teach other kids at the hospital." And like, I think he has plans of going back and visiting again in the future to do it again. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but it's like, I, I just I love that kind of stuff. Like reading that kind of stuff is great. And it's something that there's another video of his that I watched talking about his huge passion for D&D that, yeah, back when the game first came out, there was a big divide in culture between jocks and nerds and playing D&D was that very nerdy thing you did in the basement at night and it was uncool. And then there was that whole like, you know, devil worshiping religion scare thing that went on around it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I love that this game that had kind of culturally a bumpy history because culturally people just are stupid a lot of the times uh, but as a game itself has had a great history that now it's reached a point that people are so accepting of it and loving bring it in for various reasons like his entire idea and he's quoted i'm going to paraphrase it a little bit he's quoted with saying that you know these kids with the diseases they have and being in the hospital all the time and stuff like that they don't have a time to be a kid that being a kid's all about going outside, playing, having fun, using your imagination, experiencing all this stuff. And these kids, because of their conditions, really can't do that. And in D&D, they can. You know, they can stop worrying about whatever it is that is going on in their life, whatever illness they have or hardships they've been through, and they get just get to be something else and do something else and have fun and go on adventures and do all this stuff that essentially they would do as a kid who doesn't have a terminal illness or severe condition. I'll post uh, a link to the article in the description of the episode so people can read it at their own leisure. But yeah, it's... I, I want to do more. It's like I, I read this and I thought about it. I'm like, look, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm a teacher. One of the guys at the school already has a connection at one or two hospitals for donations that they do during Christmas time. And I'm like... I got to go get in contact with some of these hospitals, see if there's any children's hospitals nearby I can get to easily. And I want to do this. Like I want to do this myself and enjoy it because I have a love for the game too. I mean, passion-wise, I don't know if I can compete with Joe 
one is I definitely don't have the space. Two, I definitely don't have the funds. If I had the ability to do so, I probably would do the same thing he does and have a giant dungeon in the basement of my house dedicated to the game and all that good stuff. All in good time. Once I get out of a studio apartment and I actually have the ability to do that, oh, it'll be there. Just try that out. I I welcome all of you who do play D&D to go out and bring the love of the game to somebody it doesn't have to be like I'm not saying it has to be a child with illness. Just bring the love of the game to somebody, anyone. Be like, hey, let's just sit down and try this. Let's just do a quick little thing. Like I had a friend who did it with four or five of his friends, and they all loved it. Spread the love. Spread the love of D and D. Get people into it. I think it'll be great. It'll be awesome. So that's the heartwarming news. I wanted to get that out there and just bring people's attention to that in case you didn't know. Uh, now on to something that is maybe not so heartwarming. Something that's like, oof, rough, rough. I recently bought Into the Breach. And I can definitely say it's a good game. Uh, bless bless that man, Video Game Donkey, for bringing the game to my attention. Uh, because of him, I'm sorry to play. I also got the, uh, what was the name of it? Let me look real quick. Zero Ranger. I also picked that up. Uh, that game I'm putting on the back burner for now because... That's also another tough one. But yeah, Video Game Donkey brought this up in his 2018 top 14 games of the year. And I see Into the Breach, and I've thought about it, and it was kind of like, I always had it sitting there in my mind, possibly getting it, but I always avoided buying it for various reasons. Uh, One of the things was just looking at it, like at first it didn't seem that appealing to me uh, until I saw the gameplay that he was doing and I watched a quick little episode by Sunburn Albino who played it and I was like, okay, I like what I see going on. So you take the general gist of the roguelike genre, which has been on my mind a lot lately with the procedurally generated world, dungeon, whatever have you from Slay the Spire, Isaac, Gungan, that kind of stuff. But you make it more of a campaign. So there's four islands that you have to go and fight the Vec. And the Vec are just these giant insect-type creatures, and you fight them using mechs. And me, I'm a fan of anything mech, so if you put mechs in your game, I, you got my attention. Like, that's the initial reason why I started looking into the Breach. I saw a giant mech <laughs> on the uh, like the thumbnail or the you know whatever you want to call it, the art you see on Steam when you're searching games. I saw it, I'm like, okay, so this is on my wish list. Now let me see what the game's about. And you use these mechs to fight the bugs, and it's turn-based combat, and at first, I thought it was just very straightforward with, here are just the mechs, here are the bugs, go. But it turns out that not only does it have randomized campaigns, which we'll get to in a second, but it also has a variety of different mechs. Like, there are four mech classes, and it there's a range from, like, five, I want to say four or five to, like, seven mechs per class. So there is a bit of diversity there. And in the beginning, you get the typical, like, all-around team. Like, it's not exceptional, but it doesn't have major glaring weak points. It's the Mario of the game. You know, Mario in every game he's in, he's the average Joe. So it's that kind of team. And the game pushes the entire idea that, yes, this is a war that you're probably not going to win. And it doesn't go into the science mumbo-jumbo, but they, they're they really clever with how they come up with the idea of procedurally generated campaigns you start the campaign, it's like, okay, you got to at least save two of the four islands to then unlock the final island that you go to and fight the Vec and try and take out their hive. And whenever you fail, which 
because it's that kind of game, it is going to challenge you. When you fail, it's not just, oh, well, we lost, and you restart the game. It's, we lost this timeline. They actually came up with this whole entire idea that there's the whole breach, which is why it's called Into the Breach, and you use the breach to travel between timelines. So when you fail at saving this timeline, you get the game over. They're like, shit, we lost in this timeline. Let's try and save another. Boom. And they jettison out of there. And of the three mechs you have, because you have the mechs and they each have a pilot, which on their own also level up, you choose one of the three pilots to move on to a new campaign. And I think their idea behind that is, well, because you're going through the breach, not everyone ends up in the same timeline. So you luck out and you only get, you know, one of the three that you had go into the next timeline and you can then utilize them. And in doing that, they keep their level. And it takes, since they're like, they only have like, each character only levels up like two times, but and it takes a while because it's condensed campaigns, but it's really nice that you don't have to worry about getting, you know, the extra upgrade point, the extra defense, the extra HP or whatever, because you're able to just pull that person to the next round. Granted, if you have two really good people, it sucks because you only pick one of them. And if shit goes wrong and you don't get a game over, but a mech gets destroyed, the mech is always saved. It's a giant robot. They can replace it, but the pilot dies. So if you ever run out of health in a match, the pilot's wiped out. And I had a really good pilot at one point and she died. And I was really upset because damage reduction is amazing. So that's the general idea of just how the game goes to and fro doing everything. I kind of like that. It just, okay, fuck, we fucked up this timeline, go forward. It's not like you're being revived or anything like that. So it was a, it's a unique way of looking at the whole randomized dungeon thing that so many games have been doing nowadays. You know, everyone's getting unique with their stories behind it. Now, in terms of just the general gameplayness of it, it is turn-based and the enemy always goes first, but it's... It's this weird staggered, like, reaction. So the enemy goes first in terms of movement and showing you what they're going to do. So an enemy will move and say, I will attack this location. All of the enemies do that, and then it's your turn, and it's your three Mexico, and you move and conduct your actions. And after you conduct all your actions, any enemies left over carry through with their actions. So you have to protect these cities. You have to protect these various buildings that provide power to the grid. And if the grid everyone's out of energy, you lose. And there are more buildings than there is power. I guess you call it like you have like I'd say six or seven points in the grid. I'm not entirely sure. When that reaches zero, game over, and each round that you do will have like ten, eleven buildings that provide power. And sometimes it's like it's a one building tile or it has two buildings in the same tile. It it varies. Anyway. A bug will move forward and say, I'm going to attack this building. That is my action. And then on your turn, you have one or two things. You have like three different things you could do, essentially. Let it attack the building and deal with the loss to the grid and try and get it back later through various means. You could kill it, obviously. Or if you can't kill it outright, you can move it around. So you, various there are various ways through different mech abilities that they can move people around the board either by a punch attack that one of the mechs has, one of the starter mechs has a, I punch you and you get pushed back a tile. It's very simple, but it's nice because, okay, I might not be able to kill this bug, but I can at least punch it and it slides down a tile. Because then on the bug's turn, if it's still alive, it still attacks. It's, if it was going to attack the tile to the left, it still attacks the tile to its left, even though it moved. It will always carry out its action. 
So on top of that, you can then, some of the bugs have long-range attacks, have, one of them has a charge attack, various things like that. They're all different, they're all unique in what they do. If this bug, and I've done it before, if this bug is going to charge, so it goes from one end of the map until it hits something or reaches the other end of the map, can be a bitch to deal with at times, and they have a decent amount of health. So I'm like, I don't feel like dealing with this, but it does a good amount of damage. So I'm just going to push it over here, and oh look, that bug is now its way. So it charges, hits the other bug, and takes it out for me. And it's really cool, there are achievements built around that. Having bugs kill each other. And every time you get an achievement, you get a medal to unlock more things. So there's a lot of dynamic... Yeah, just pretty much the dynamic. I'm try, I was trying to think of something else to say, but it's really just the dynamic of how everything meshes together and everything kind of has a purpose. It's really cool because achievement hunting is always fun. Like You want achievements. They're there for a reason. And here, every time you get an achievement, you get a medal. And if you get a certain amount of medals, you can then unlock new squads. And every time you unlock a new squad, you get three new mechs to work with. So you can either do the pre-built squads, which... Each squad has its own three unique achievements built with it. And then there's like general achievements on top of that. And any achievement gives you a medal. So you have to, if you want to get the one achievement that says kill four enemies with one laser beam attack, you have to deploy this one squad because the achievement's tied to it. Or you could just say, fuck all that noise and then build your own squad of three. And then that also has its own unique achievements. It's like deploy only air mechs, deploy... Three of the same exact mech and three different mechs of the same class. It's like three unique achievements built for custom squads. So it's really, it, it, there's a lot of replayability in terms of achievement hunting. And not only that, there's a lot of replayability because you have to play each of these unique squads and learn how they work. So you can get those medals to unlock the other squads. And there's a lot of really cool mechs that they have. Some of them are fucking trash in my opinion. That's like I've been with anything that has, like, class-based systems and stuff like that. Some are going to be better than others based on how you think. And then there's the characters themselves, like the pilots. I mentioned before, level up. So there are, I guess, general pilots and then unique pilots. General pilots, they level up twice, they're done. Then there's the unique pilots who don't wear a helmet, like the typical general person, like the general Joe Blow wears a helmet so they only have a face. But the unique pilots, you actually see their face, they don't have helmets. They also level up twice, but they also have a really cool passive ability on top of that. Like one of them is really powerful, this guy named Henry, is I can move through enemy tiles. You put him in a brute mech or a titan mech that is all about like being up in the enemy's face. And then, oh, I can't get pinned in because I'm just going to move through this tile, turn around, beat the shit out of you, and just keep walking. It's really cool. And this other one, I just unlocked her. After you attack, you can move again. This game plays to the style of XCOM. When you attack, your turn's over. So you have to move first and then attack if you actually want to get that move in. But there's this one chick where it's after I attack, I can move still. I can move one tile. So her normal move, depending on her mech, is between three and four. Excuse me. Between three and four tiles, and it's an eight by eight grid you play on. So she can attack and then scooch out of the way of something. And I found it very useful, especially if she's in a mech with flamethrowers. So I can torch somebody, step back and then torch, you know, get ready to torch this ground or step back into the fire, which I'm immune to for protection or whatever. Like there's a lot of really neat things you can build with those really simple passive abilities. And those are all the humans. They have humans and they have, I guess, like androids, you call them. 
they they have like a one simple name and they don't have a face. They have a really shiny dome metallic thing going on. And the mechs have the droids have very similar passives to the humans. The only difference is you have to spend an upgrade point to unlock the droids' abilities. So they have a little more oomph to their passives compared to the humans, but it requires more. Like one of them says, you can deploy anywhere on the field. Normally it's, here's your deployment zone, you're stuck to it. This one guy can say, I go where the fuck I want. One of them is very similar to the one I mentioned where you can attack and then move one tile. His is you attack and then just take another move action. So you can move twice, essentially, as long as you attack. Granted, it takes an upgrade point because as you play through the game, you get upgrade points. But you only have so many. You can't unlock every upgrade for every mech, every character with every weapon. It's very limited in what you can upgrade. So you really got to think of, what do I need right now ASAP with this upgrade point? And then the extra pressure is, now you allocate those upgrade points, which you might not even get on one island. You can get free upgrades if you perfect an island. Because each island has different regions, and they're always randomized. The order they go in, it's always randomized the objectives, randomized the map, you, yeah, you get the point, you know, the idea it's all randomized. If you complete an entire island, like all the, if you complete the regions that you have to go to and complete all the objectives there, which some of them are dick to do, it's considered a perfect, and then you get a bonus at the end. You get a free pilot, a free unique pilot, a free upgrade, or energy back to your grid, which you need the energy to stay up so you can beat the game. So there's that extra pressure of, okay, I fail. It's not just like, okay, I can fail this one objective. I can let this one thing slide and save my mech. It's, no, if I let this one thing slide, and I've I've gotten really upset over this because you really need those free upgrades. They go a long way, especially considering, like, perfecting an island is really the only way to get a unique pilot. It gets aggravating because, like, I should be able to do this because it's a puzzle sometimes trying to figure out the best move because, once you do the thing, that's it. You're done. You only get one do-over per round. You can only reset the turn once. It's so aggravating. Like, I need this to happen. And then this one little thing, like, there's this one bug that just got out of range. Or, these, and I had it just happen recently. There are these fire bugs that can, fly, you know, fly through enemy tiles, fly over terrain and stuff like that. Oh, they just go to the other side of this mountain range that I can't climb. I'm going to take out that building, making me fail the objective. Thanks. I really needed that. You know, if it was any other bug that wasn't a fucking hornet, I would have been fine. It's a typical, like, you know, last week I mentioned luck is kind of a thing in games. It goes back to that idea of luck that if the right bug spawns, I'll be fine. If this kind of bug spawns, I'm fucked. Yeah, I can try and build my mechs for it. Again, though, it comes down to what I'm given. Like, there's this really cool group called the Fire Behemoths where they're all based on doing uh, fire damage, but very little direct damage. Two of the three mechs can't even do direct damage, like the starting ones. And one of them can do direct damage, but only if the enemy's on fire. So you start with just a bunch of, you can light people on fire and swap positions with them. So it's a very interesting dynamic that can be very powerful. However, if you don't get a damaging ability by the end of, like, Island 1, because then the rest of the islands, as you know, as you progress, they get harder and harder because you have more upgrades, hopefully. If you don't get any damaging attacks by the end of Island 1, maybe Island 2, the game becomes very difficult because the bugs are not backing down. They're getting stronger. They're doing more damage. They're more mobile. And waiting for them to burn to death just isn't going to happen because enemies spawn every turn. They're just going to keep coming. you gotta, you got to take care of them. So I'm trying to find out the right way to do it. I 
I'm doing another, you know, campaign. These things can ass, wow, ass, last like an hour. Yeah, you know, I, I spend about an hour per campaign. You can fly through them pretty quickly if you're quick on the trigger. I can go through Island 1 on any playthrough pretty fast because I know it's pretty mellow. The objectives aren't too hard, and the bugs aren't that difficult, so it's quick. Just do-do-do-do-do, I'm done. But by Island 3, the campaign slows down because, like I said, they've amped up, and now i got to look at what resources do I have. I need to think, can I take out this objective at this region, or should I go to this other region and skip that one? It adds in a lot more thought process to the procedurally generated roguelike style gameplay. Slay the Spire kind of started poking around with that with its whole deck building style, thinking about, okay, what cards did I get during Act 1 that I can build a solid deck out of? And then Act 2 and 3, what can I add to that to really solidify this and give me the best shot at completing this? And now with the heart, to beat the heart, which is whew, that's, a, that's still a tough cookie to crack. I've yet to beat it. Into the Breach just furthers that it furthers that where it is like slay the spire is relatively short you can do runs very quick into the breach you can do a run fairly quick i just like the different dynamic that it's not just i'm not just climbing a tower i'm not just going through my mother's basement i'm not just getting to the bottom of the gungan it or dun gungeon Ugh, those puns <laughs> it's we're going island to island fighting this war it feels like it honestly at times feels like xcom but quicker. You're not doing the research. Like, I love XCOM. Okay, I'm not knocking XCOM. I do love XCOM. It just seems like a way that I can I can do a round of XCOM real quick. I'm not worried about the base management. I'm just worried about managing my troops, getting the right upgrades, equipping my mechs, and just saving these locations through various objectives. And it appeals to me on that end. You got the mechs. You got a bit of, like, an XCOM flavor to it, I feel. And I can go through it in an hour. I can nearly complete it. I've only beaten it once. I've only succeeded. I'm taking out the hive once. Three times I've gotten there. So out of the three times, I've only beaten it once. And I've played this game a lot over the weekend. It's addicting for that reason. And I want those medals. I want to get my shiny medals. I want to get my achievements. Because I want to get all the mechs. And I'm going to find a really fun class to play with. And that's another fun part to this like where slay the spire because it's deck building and the cards you get are randomized yeah you could have a deck like me i love an ironclad armor deck that has most has pretty much has like three body slam plus cards for attacking and everything else is block related because you can just block up put a barricade up and be fine and take on anything if you get the cards with this because you can unlock the various mechs it's still randomized what upgrades you get while playing through a run however the start can you can tailor what you want your start to be you can pick out the mechs that have the starting equipment you like and make a team based on that and that i enjoy i like that solid starting of like this is something that'll work and then finding out a unique team that has some good synergy because obviously the the pre-generated teams are good and have good synergy why not try in something else why not poke around and see what other fun little things you can come up with. There's an extra challenge there. An extra challenge to figure out what what is there in the game that the developers didn't just hand you. It reminds me a little bit of when I was younger and I was in middle school and high school and, you know, Halo and stuff like that was coming out. And me and my friends would play it for a couple hours, obviously, because it's a new game. We want to have fun. But we were also looking for what can we do to break the game? What kind of glitches exist? Like, I remember... 
combing through games like that, combing through games like Halo and seeing what glitches exist or going online and seeing what glitches people found and try them out ourselves. Or when they came up with the Forge mode in Halo and we started building maps and we would try and break each other's map. Like, this is a pretty cool map. I want to see if I can get out of the borders there. Like, always trying to break out of bounds for a custom map. I did it all the time and it was fun. So now it's it's similar to that of how can I break this game? <laughs> how can I use the stuff the developers gave me to just utterly ruin this game and make it bend to my will? Because once you find that trick, then it goes into that idea of I have something that I know if I want to beat the game, I know I can do this and I can beat the game. If I want to just do a run for funsies and see what happens, I can do that too. I can just try things out. I can try something new. The experimentation is fun. It is. So if you haven't tried Into the Breach, give it a shot. It is like 15 bucks on Steam, not on sale. That's standard price. So that's a typical thing of you're getting a pretty solid game for not a lot of money. And if you're one of those guys you want to wait, then you wait for the Steam sale. Pick it up for 10 bucks, something like that. But it'll... It'll give you time. Like You'll definitely devote some time to playing this game, especially if you're into roguelites, because you'll appreciate that idea of, I'm not going to win all the time. Like me, yeah, I get mad. I fully admit it, that I get upset and I get mad at certain times when I don't pull through with a run, especially when I look at it and I'm like, I should have had this. Yet I always go back to it. I always appreciate that fact of the game is built in a way where I can pick it up again and fix that or the addiction of this time this time i can get it this time i can get it this time i can get it and it gives me that replayability a lot of single player games of the past talking about nostalgia i love them i do the replayability isn't that strong i'll always love them though and that's why like i only play paper mario you know once every two or three years i recently thought about picking up dead space again which i haven't touched in a very long time so because i was thinking about it and i'll beat it put it down and not touch it for another couple years there's nothing wrong with that there really isn't so these games now especially with my life getting busier and that's another reason why i appreciate these roguelike games they might be god-awful hard but because it's just a run it's a simple one hour run to beat the game maybe not even that long i can come home from work i remember when i first started teaching every time i got home i'd come home and i'd do a slay the spire run whether I beat it or failed within the first act, I'm like, okay, I tried, moving on. You know, I had to take care of something else. I like that ability to just pick up these games, give it a shot, and if you fail, you failed. And if you have the time, you can keep trying. Those single-player games, you know, mentioning Dead Space, Paper Mario, stuff like that, they have their place, and I love them, but I only play them when I'm on vacation, when I have the time, because of that story-built narrative. You want to get to the next part of the story. You want to continue going here. And that's why I've been finding it so hard to find a really good RPG story narrative game to play through because of the time. I don't have a lot of time to devote to that story that I know I want to keep playing. So now I can pick up Into the Breach. I can pick up Slay the Spire. I can pick up Enter the Gungan and be like, let me try a run. If it goes to shit, it goes to shit. I move on. There's no narrative I'm waiting to build up. It's simply just using what I'm given, see if I can pull it off. Ooh, sorry. That's that's what I got. That's that's what I've been thinking about. And I played D&D last night. We started really late, and we stopped playing around 4.30. We were all god-awfully tired. We all went to bed and got like five hours of sleep if we were lucky. 
and I love that kind of stuff. I, I love the fact of doing an all-night D&D. I got nothing wrong with it. I love doing an all-night gaming session with friends. Every now and then, I've reached a point where I don't do it all the time. When I do it, I love it, and I appreciate it. I'm like, okay, see you in two or three months. I'll try it again. These other games, with their complexity and their demand for you to really think and pick up from the pieces that are left over and try again and learn from your mistakes and all that kind of stuff, I'll always be able to just pick them up and not worry about losing five hours. Like, I know I want to keep playing to try and beat it, but there's nothing else to it. It's just, I beat it or I don't. I'm not worried about the story, the narrative, the characters. There's no, there's no other driving force to keep going that'll get me hooked in for so many hours that I lose track of time. This is just like, I'm just going to breathe. Like, I got frustrated. I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to leave it, come back to it tomorrow. I got other work to do. Like, it balances out. There, there's kind of like this little happy medium, this agreement between me and the game. I'm trying to get through it. Granted, I'm going to go get dinner. I'm going to come back. And I'm going to try and get another run of Into the Breach complete. I'm in the middle of one right now when I started recording. I was just, it was on my mind, so I'm like, screw it. Let's just talk about it. And, yeah, try it. I'm, I'm, I swear I've been talking a lot about these roguelike games. Give them a shot. They've been high on my list to play recently. If you haven't done played any of them, I'm going back to my list. Binding of Isaacs, and the old one, the classic one. Enter the Gungan. Rogue Legacy is still out there, even though I haven't really tried it. Of course, now Into the Breach, Slay the Spire. Try them if you haven't, I swear. Try them. They're relatively cheap. All right? They're easy to learn. You, you can pick them up rather quickly. It's that kind of game. You pick it up easily, but it takes forever to master. Give one of them a shot. Just seriously be ready to take a deep breath and pause and walk away. You're going to need it. All right? And then eventually you get really good at it and you start to love it. All right? That's all I got for you this week. I hope you all enjoyed. Uh, Next week for me, well, I got Regions Week coming up. So that means my schedule is very just randomized. So I'll have some time to look a few things over. So not... This not next episode, but the episode after that. So two weeks from now, I'll have time to really think about what it is I want to do because I'm just going to be sitting at work watching a couple of kids take a test in high school. I ain't got much going on, so I got a lot of stuff I can think about and a lot of stuff I can plan out. So see you next week. Enjoy yourself. Stay warm because down here in Brooklyn, it's been getting real frosty. Take care. <laughs>